Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unrelated Brothers podcast. It is down to two after a great playoff run of games, one of possibly the best in history that I can think of. We are down to the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium, where the second year in a row, the home team will be playing at their own stadium. Now, will that mean if the home team wins again? We'll find out. Devon. Was you surprised in any way about these teams making it? Um, no, I mean, I, I kind of am, you know, well, first of all, before, before we get too far into this, I also just want to throw out that we have a guest today. Uh, due to the fact of the way our health's been recently and things like that, we decided to add an extra body for support. Uh, so James is going to be joining us today. Um, so hopefully everybody welcome James, you know, James will be here. I'm sure, um, you know, not necessarily on a regular basis, but I'm sure you'll see him multiple times. And, uh, as we approach the next football season, I'm, I'm sure there's definitely going to be some stuff in the works for that too, some plans, but, um, but yeah, the games not shocked, um, a little upset that I really feel like after watching those that I, as a Packers fan, feel like I've got robbed i just i just gotta throw that out there i know i know they're not playing i know it's irrelevant i know it's irrelevant but man um i really the rams and the 49ers both just did not look that impressive um so my my quick two cents on both games is um pretty much the chiefs versus the Bengals was literally the chiefs versus the Bengals just at arrowhead and the Rams versus 49ers was literally just the Rams versus the 49ers week 17 to be exact. But this time the roles were flipped this time. The Niners, you know, uh, owned the game, dominated the game and the Rams were the one to come back and to, to put the icing on the cake, finish the game and to be able to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so in that regard, not shocked at all. Um, and like, you know, we talked about two in the, in our preview, I would have picked the Bengals. I wanted the Bengals to win, but right now I got to keep picking against the Bengals because every time I picked against the Bengals, they've won in the playoffs. So I am superstitious in that manner when it comes to sports stuff. So, um, you know, got to keep rolling with it. Uh, so yeah, actually, if you want to go ahead and jot me down for picking the Rams, cause can't pick the Bengals. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I, I was happy. I was it was good games, all good games. Um, really, I mean, it, if you want to get into some of the nitty gritty, uh, some of the details, I think, you know, that would be probably even less shocking uh, than than you thought. I mean, these teams all knew each other already, all had played each other already. So, um, I, I'm not really shocked. I was, I was, I was prepared for any of those teams to win any of those games. Right, yeah. One takeaway I have from it is, again, it felt like the Bengals' offensive line let a lot of, you know, rush plays on Burrow, and it felt like he was, especially at the end of the game, it felt like he was always trying to escape. James, do you think that's going to be an issue with that Rams defense? I most certainly do, especially with Aaron Donald being on that defense and being a dominant force like he is. With the Bengals' offensive line being – average at best. Um, I don't see how well they're going to be able to protect 
Joe Burrow this upcoming Super Bowl week. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, again, he's he does have mobility. He can't escape, and he's definitely got the receivers to you know dump it off to. Even Mixon, he can, you know. Drop it off to him if he wanted to. Or P. Ron. P. Ron scored the last game. So that was a big help on his part in the passing game. You know what? Um, you know what one thing that is interesting is as bad as the offensive line is as a passing unit. Um, it seems like every time they actually have to run the ball and stick to the run, they do seem to move bodies and they do seem to be a lot more successful. And the Rams have in the past struggled a little bit to stop the run. Uh, so I actually one one of my keys for the Super Bowl, um, you know, is actually going to be if the Bengals can stick to the running game. Um, but uh, but but going back to the the two games, you know, while we're reviewing them anyway, um, I think I was probably more impressed with the Bengals coming back and winning the way they did than the Rams because the Bengals basically did the exact same thing as they did in their game at home. Why that that shocked me is because as good as Patrick Mahomes has, uh, has been as good as Andy Reed is as an all-time coach. I mean, he is an all-time coach. He's uh, I believe the only coach who has a hundred wins at two different franchises. Um, and, you know, he's got rings to, to match it now, as well as obviously conference titles and things of that nature, division titles, yada, yada, yada. But, um, but yeah, I think that I was really shocked that the chiefs not only melted down once, but twice against the same team uh, once home and away. And on top of that, I mean, I don't remember a time, not once again, but twice, again, twice, that the same team, the same defense literally was so, you know, it was Swiss cheese in the first half, but was so locked down tight in the second half. I, I don't, I, I just, it blows my mind. I, I cannot think of ever, I mean, ever a, such a dominant offense just manhandle a defense and, and do anything they wanted and then get shut out so badly. Again, not once, but twice. I mean, essentially the Bengals, if you really want to get down to it, essentially the Bengals in four quarters of second half ball, but still four quarters, an entire game, completely shut down the Chiefs offense. That's that's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Um, and uh, that Bengals defensive front, I will definitely say, because we talked about injuries and we talked about the thing I noticed late in games at the end of games, they get after you. Their motors do not stop. Those guys are, are dogs at the end of game. You don't want to see them. Don't look them in the eye because they're coming. Yeah. I, I said last or this past Friday in our show, I said that the Josh Allen Mahomes that you know, we're going to see that years to come. I think this is another, uh, QB matchup that we will see for years to come and it's going to be one that everybody looks forward to you know they they want the Bengals they want the Chiefs they want them on that schedule the even regular season you know they want to see it as quick as they can to you know see what happens next will Mahomes get his revenge next year it's I I could see him definitely coming back on the uh, regular season schedule yeah no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady stuff, Brett Favre, I mean, you name it all, uh, you know, any two 
great quarterbacks or two, you know, just great teams on average. Uh, they create an out of conference, out of division, or, you know, what have you rivalry. Uh, this one's obviously in conference, but um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Actually, I was waiting till after the Super Bowl, but why not do it now? Um, I very, very, very in my heart of hearts believe we are going to see for our, our, you know, in our lifetime, you know, obviously we'll see more. So we'll just say the next 20 years, right? We are going to see a lot of Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I can put an asterisk next to Lamar Jackson because I think he'll make it a lot, but he's not won a playoff game yet, I don't believe. And so he's got to prove it. Um, and I think with that, you know, those are five guys I could for sure say. You figure seven get in every year. Those are five guys I'm, I'm for sure looking forward to. Derek Carr's kind of on the edge there. Um, and, and, you know, you know, Tannehill or some of those guys, but those guys are older. I mean, I'm just talking young, young names, young bodies. Like I said, for the next, you know, 10 to 20 years, those five are for sure locks almost year to year. You will see them almost every single year. And I'm not mad about it at all. Actually, uh, I am really curious to see in the next couple drafts um, when we're going to see that kind of flip in the NFC. Uh, you know, that kind of turnover in the NFC, you know, you got Jalen, uh, Jalen Hurts and um, Justin Fields and stuff, but we'll see. And um, I also thought, you know, just because everybody's already ch- said he's going to be a Hall of Famer, you know what I mean? It's it's the next early enshrinement. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, might also go on that list for the AFC guys mm-hmm. as a sixth guy. Um you know, the, the Chargers and the uh, Jags definitely as uh, franchises are a little bit more questionable. But, yeah, those other ones, I mean, those those other ones definitely know how to get it done. Um, but uh, I think something that will definitely be interesting because you guys talked about the pass rush for uh, the Rams versus the really bad uh, – Bengals offensive line I think is also going to be the fact that I don't believe there's a corner outside of Jalen Ramsey and Jalen Ramsey played pretty good uh this last week but I don't think there's a corner outside of Jalen Ramsey who can really uh take one of those receivers or take them one-on-one and um I think that that's that's still going to be a problem I mean really this this uh this Bengals team has a lot of 2010 Packers vibes to me um, came in as a as a late seed, barely getting in, um, and they have a lot of weapons at receiver, uh, a, a better running back than the Packers did the, that you know that time. But I think um, I think there's other weaknesses in other places. I think defense is actually better than the Packers at that time, but the offensive line's obviously significantly weaker. Um, so we could, you know, rattle off the list, but that's, that's the team that they remind me most of. Um, and so I, I'm really looking forward to how this plays out for the Rams. Um, I am still not sold on Stafford. I've, oh, I mean, I've got tons of appreciation for Stafford and I think Stafford's really good and everything, but uh, to win the Super Bowl, I'm still questioning it. I mean, everybody again does the Jimmy's got a Jimmy thing, and Jimmy threw a pick, or uh, you know, I don't even know what he was doing, but but he threw a pick. Uh, I I have to just go ahead and say that 
But right before that, Matt Stafford threw one right to Jaquiski Tart, and he didn't take it. I mean, mm-hmm. it 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 just says what it is. And um, you know, I don't know what you were thinking, James, but uh, but yeah, I think I think Jaquiski Tart dropping that basically was letting the Rams get to the Super Bowl. I mean, I know one play doesn't make it and stuff, but uh, but that's a big one, and I think that it's going to be heavy on him for sure. Uh, I think that, I don't know, I guess more or less that moment for me kind of capitalized the falling apart that was going on for the 49ers. Um, what do you think, James? After that dropped interception attempt or? Yeah, yeah. After the drop, I felt like that was just, I felt like that was really, you know, if, if they were, if, if they were already falling down the hill, so to speak, if they were already on a downhill slide, I feel like that was kind of the last, uh, the last bump or something that really just sent them, you know, sent them high and, and, and flying and, and they were gone at that point, you know, they're off the rails. Right. If that interception was completed, I think that that would have swung the game entirely in the 49ers momentum and we would have seen a different result other than the Rams winning. But with uh, Tart dropping that interception, I think that it was a huge letdown for the 49ers defense, and um, it was hard for them to regain composure after that. And so the Rams defense with Odell Beckham making several plays in the game just and also Cooper Cup being also a dominant force. Um, I don't see how the 49ers defense was going to be able to prevent them from making plays. Um, So any moment that you can uh, make a turnover or get a three and out, like you need to capitalize on those moments and missing that one moment uh, change the game entirely. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, we were talking about some of the preview stuff. What's your thought? I mean, speaking on the secondary, I mean, Cooper Cup obviously is a handful. Odell's obviously a handful. Um, what do you think about, you know, how the, I guess, the Bengals secondary or the Bengals defense in general can handle or match up with that uh, Rams offense? Um, to be honest, I personally believe that the Rams defense overall is pretty average. I mean, they have a lot of chemistry, which makes them a unit as, as, you, and you, as a um, unit. You said the Rams are, you, are you talking about the Rams or are you talking about the Bengals defense? The Bengals. Sorry. Okay, okay. No, I just want to clarify. I just want to clarify. Yep. So the Bengals, like they're, as a unit, they're great, but individually they're, average like you have Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard who aren't the great greatest pass rushers compared to what the Rams have and Aaron Donald and Von Miller and then for pass coverage you have Von Bell and Eli Apple and Chidobi Awuzie you're right uh, um, and comparing that to what the Rams have and Jalen Ramsey and if he's healthy Taylor Rapp yeah, I mean, I don't think I don't 
honestly, the Taylor Rapp thing, I don't think that really matters that much. But I think Jalen Ramsey is head and shoulders above any corner that the Bengals have. But I, right. I think I think that Odell and Cooper Cup together are still not as good as the three that you're going to get on the other side from the Bengals. I mean, and I know it's not receiver versus receiver or quarterback versus quarterback. I know we always try to make it that way, but I just think I agree with what you said. Uh, but I I do think you're underrating a little bit of the uh, not not only I mean the chemistry, but I think that I think that the pass rushers on. I mean, you know what? Forget the pass rush. I just think the players on the Bengals defense are better than we think they are. I, I like to tell people, like, the football players that are in the NFL are the best of the best of the best of the best. Even a bad corner or a guy who we think is a bad corner is the, is the best corner on, on a lot of college teams. You know what I mean? And sometimes, like, take a guy like Douglas, for example, who was a journeyman who was never a, a Pro Bowl corner, never even a, a good starting corner. He literally was a Pro Bowler in, like, seven games for the Packers, and in those seven games had, like, four pick sixes or, like, five pick sixes. That's astounding numbers. And he literally just said it was because of the way the scheme was. And, and so I think when I look at that, scheme and communication matters and I think that while name wise that the Bengals defense isn't as good that the teams that they've beat and the way that they've done it has proven to me that Bengals defense is way better than we think it is and I think especially I mean going into this game is one thing but I I think I always like to get excited about next year like I mean how excited are you going to probably be at how good the Bengals defense is now how good they could be next year how good the Bengals offense is now how good they could be next year you know what I mean so I I actually think that that defense is better than we think it is and I think those pass rushers are ferocious uh like you said uh I do agree they're definitely not as good and able to match the Rams person for person but I think as the game goes on I think they get after it just as hard and just as tenaciously um I do think that I do think a little fun one just because we're talking about pass rushes the fact that uh Andrew Whitworth spent his entire career as a Bengal and you know obviously they never made it anywhere did anything successful um but he is now in the Super Bowl as a Ram going against the Bengals. Uh, you know, just, I don't know, to me it's a little funny uh, tidbit. There's all kinds of little storylines we'll find, so that's one of them. Um, what do you guys think about that? So I think a lot of people will probably be like, oh, Joe Burrow, he's, you know, he's one-year pro. He's going to be going into the biggest game of the year, and, you know, you got Stafford who's a veteran, but let's remember Stafford played for the Lions. He's never been in this situation yep. before. So who's to say that he's not going to make, you know, rookie type mistakes, you know, get overwhelmed by the environment. Another thing is a lot of issues with the fans coming to the Rams games all year long. So we don't really know if this is going to be a true home game for the Rams. Right. Well, actually, so that's a good point. So James, uh, so James lives in uh, the, in in Ohio as well as, as I do, obviously. Uh, And he happens to live in Dayton, Ohio. Um, James was actually just telling me a little bit earlier about something. James, you want to let us know uh, what they're what they're doing in Dayton for the game? 
Right. So today, uh, one of my coworkers just told me that the Bengals team has announced that they are uh, starting a lottery giveaway for Super Bowl tickets. And if you are selected, uh, you're able to purchase tickets for a discounted price of a thousand bucks per ticket. And those are handed out to season ticket holders. So, and each season ticket holder is able to get two tickets. Um, compared to the normal price, which is six grand. Oh, so, God. yeah. <laughs> and uh, my coworker would, uh, was telling me today that he actually got selected and that he is going to be going to that game. That's pretty awesome. Uh, another thing I read was Cincinnati is canceling – the public schools are canceling the Monday after the Super Bowl, you know, just – getting prepared, getting that mindset that they are going to win. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, you know, mindset is everything. Uh, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I am. Um, I think that, I don't know, I think there's a lot of things going on. I would like, I would like if you guys did touch on the storyline stuff, like I said, the Andrew Whitworth, like, what'd you guys think about that? Um, I, I don't think I, I don't think I got a reply out of that one. I said Andrew Whitworth was uh, he was a vet for the Bengals for like I don't know twelve years or ten years or something, and now he's on the Rams. He's like forty years old. Uh, I think that's an interesting storyline. Playing his old team, the only time they've ever been successful in the playoffs. Yeah, that is true. I never thought about that. I don't, I don't really know who Whitworth is. I'm just I'm not going to be honest. I want to say here live, but that no, is it's okay. He's he's the uh, left tackle. He oh, was, okay. yeah, he was drafted by the Bengals, spent his whole career with them, and basically went to the Rams to be part of the Super Bowl. And they went to the Super Bowl like the year that they took him, picked him up, and then they lost it to the Patriots. So they haven't been back yet. And of course, like I said, they're going to be back this year, and it's against the Bengals. That's got to be a little crazy uh, for him, especially because it's funny because he's like basically still playing at like a, a high level. I wouldn't say Pro Bowl level, but a high level. And like the Bengals have a terrible offensive line, you know what I mean? So it's just, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I'm sure I, he's got a little torn heart in it, you know? Yeah, if I was him, I'd be kind of jealous and upset because if I want to go to the Super Bowl, I want it to be on a historic, you know, run like the Bengals have done. And they haven't done that in so long. Was it 30 years, 40 years? Yeah, that yeah. they've, yeah. So I'd rather be part of that team than I would be part of a Rams team who, you know, kind of used to be in in the spotlight or the playoffs or so on yeah only recently um well, you know what's another one that's pretty interesting to me is uh the fact that uh so just i mean and i'm gonna i'm gonna encompass all of them but literally shanahan mcveigh the floor and taylor zach taylor all of them are like technically out of the same you know coaching tree I mean, is that not the most successful coaching tree in a long time? I mean, yeah. I mean, you can go back to other ones in the in the way way past. I mean, everybody loves the Bill Parcell coaching tree, and then, um, you know, the Walsh and you know so on and so forth. But that uh, that New Age Shanahan tree or McVay tree, whatever one you'd say, because I think they got it kind of back to back. But um, either way, I mean, we talked about this before. All of those guys. Uh, were at one point on the same Washington team uh, mm -hmm. all together, which is, you know, like I said, it's just crazy. So, um, but 
but yeah, Zach Taylor, uh, who, like I said, come, came from McVay. I think he might have been his OC the year they went to the Super Bowl, and then that's what got him the job as a as a head coach for the Bengals, and then now they're going to face each other. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's the youngest pair of head coaches in the Super Bowl with McVay being 36 and Taylor being 38. I mean, they might as well get used to it because this is the future. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, like, the, the it seems like every NFL team's trying to find that. Basically, they're trying to find their McVay because I feel like McVay really started it. Yeah. With, you know, being as young as he was. What was he? How old was he when he was Super Bowl? Was he 30? Uh, I don't know. The youngest, I'm pretty sure, youngest Super Bowl. 33 or 34, obviously. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Like, like I'm 30, I'll be 32 this year. Like I can just, you know, imagine putting myself in his position of going to a Super Bowl and coaching it. That's unreal. Right. Well, and it's just crazy too, because I mean, it's, it's overall success. I mean, look at Shanahan almost took the Niners to the Super Bowl twice in three years. McVay is doing it right now, twice in, in four years. LaFleur has the most wins in a three-year span by any coach ever. Uh, he also locked up three number one seeds back to back to back. Uh, I, or it might have not have been three. It might have been a number two and and than one and one but anyway uh like i said the most wins uh in the first three years and um all that and then zach taylor obviously is kind of more of a dud situation where he was i think he was kind of on the hot seat a little bit and uh and then joe burrow gets healthy they draft jamar chase and here they're in the super bowl i mean that's gotta that's gotta feel awesome um and you know just to kind of take the moment while we can to go there um, you know, how do you feel about some of the hires right now? I mean, the coaching, some of the coaching hires are coming up now. And, um, I definitely, I definitely am interested in, in your thoughts. Before we get into the coaches, I have one more little tidbit story. So if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl, he will be the first quarterback since Joe Montana to win the national championship. And win the Super Bowl. Troy Aikman tech teams, his team technically did it, but he was the starter for the first four games in Oklahoma and then got hurt. And then his other, the rest of his team went to win it. So I don't know if you can really uh, count that or not, but I don't know, just a little fun fact. Only reason I thought about this was my, one of my supervisors at work brought it up to me. I don't know where he read it at. So I thought it was interesting. I had to look it up, kind of wanted to put it on here. So yeah, I mean, it's, I think all that little stuff is, is like I said, it's more storylines and just makes for it to be more interesting. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the football game itself will be good, but I mean, for the ne- <laughs> Ooh, for the next week or so, uh, yeah, you know, everybody's just, you know what I mean? Everybody's just going to find something to talk about. Yeah. Because, digging. You know, yeah, it's the, it's the only game. That's the only game. So people are going to grill it, flip it, burn it, grill it, rip the burn off, reburn it. I mean, you know beating a dead horse a little too literally so um all right but yeah back to your the head coaching thing so my bears we have started hiring we first started off with ryan poles for our general manager he was formerly the executive director of player personnel at kansas city which everybody i mean everybody's getting on twitter as soon as the bears hired him was talking about how he was just an amazing hire which he actually got signed undrafted by the bears in the late right. 2000s i'm glad so, you said that because i was going to say that to me is what's cool about it not yes. only was he 
a worthy candidate and a good looking candidate on paper. So is Nagy. <laughs> um, but yeah. but he's a former bear, and I always think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's like if we would have got Harbaugh, that would have been cool too. Like just for that fact, because he used to play for the Bears. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel you. But uh, then he went in and hired Matt Eberfuss. He was the coordinator for the Colts, which was, again, everybody praised him. So I'm like, all right, this is, we're on a good roller here. And then to top it all off, we went to the dark side, went to the Packers, stole their QB coach and passing game coordinator, Luke Getze, and made him our offensive coordinator. So, and the, the, the whole question was we got Eberflus because he was a defensive guy. We're like, oh, well, what about Fields? You know, he's supposed to be our, our leader for our team, you know, to drive the years coming. What, what, what are we going to do about that? And then they went and got Getze. So, I think that was great. I was yeah, now, now more James, James, you catch that he's a Bears fan. And he's like, oh, we stole him. We stole him. No, okay, let yeah. me tell you. Let me tell you what really happened as a, as a Packer who's, who's, who's been reading about this and, and, and listening. it was like dark Sidious taking Anakin from the good side, bringing him to yeah, the dark side. Yeah. You'd, <laughs> you'd like to think that you'd like to think that what, so what happened was when Hackett, who by the way, got the job in Denver, we'll cover that one in a second too. Hackett goes to Denver. People are like, Oh no, he's either going to take Getsy with them or Stenovich. There's no way he doesn't take one, right? There's no way he doesn't take one. So we got to hire one as the OC. So they were talking Getze. Apparently, as of Friday, Getze had the job, right? They were locked in on Getze. Stenovich has only been coaching for four years. He's already one of the best O-line coaches in the game. They had talks with him, decided to promote him instead, and then told Getsy and then Getsy took the job with the Bears. Now Bears fan will tell you Getsy took the job first. But what actually happened is when he found out that he wasn't the OC for the Packers, they decided to make Stenovich the OC. He decided he'd go be OC somewhere else. Because Which, he knew Rogers was leaving, he's gonna go to the Broncos uh, and take over. Uh, and so Getsy's like, oh I'm out of this shit show. Like uh, we don't want no part of this yeah. anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna go play for a good team. We don't a team want that Pulse said is gonna take over the North and hold <laughs> on to it and never let it go. So oh, you better be prepared God. for that one. Oh God, it's gonna be a long year next year. It's gonna be a long <laughs> year next year. Uh side note, I will say. I think part of the reason Getsy took the job is because Matt LaFleur calls the plays for the Packers. And I think the only way Getsy was going to be a play caller, which is just going to increase his chances to be a head coach is to go to a team to be a play caller. So I think it was a good uh, career move for him though. You know, that's never fun as an offensive coordinator. Can't even call your own plays. That's got to suck. Right. No, absolutely. Um, So without further ado, uh, moving down the line here, um, one that I was really uh, impressed with uh, was actually the fact that uh, Hackett did go to the Broncos. Um, I'm not surprised at all, and I think it's a good move. And uh, everybody's tying it to, oh, are they doing that so they could try to get Rodgers? But <clears throat> people that know football and the people that are in the inner circles actually said that um, – the Broncos were looking at Hackett before uh, they had confirmed for Fangio. Uh, so they've been looking at Hackett for a long time, actually. 
They said they were notably most impressed about what he did in 2017 with Blake Bortles, who is ultimately more of just a journeyman quarterback. But at that time, Nathaniel Hackett was his OC, and uh, they were really impressed with the work he did. So they're hoping that basically he can uh, save Drew Locke is, is the way I hear it, the way I read it. They're, they're, they're hoping and praying he saves Drew Locke. Uh, they're also thinking – you know, that they might be able to get a little Aaron Rodgers entrance from having him, and that's kind of, you know, that's not hurting anybody. Yeah, so I did see that the Broncos were going to be throwing the ball up more. I'm pretty sure Hackett said they're going to be a, you know, heavy throwing team next year. So that kind of posed the question for Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon if they sign him back, what they decide to do with the run game. But, I mean, if they get Rodgers, hey, who cares about the run game? They throw it all they want. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Javante Williams, I think, is, is going to be a good back in this year or uh, oh, in this for sure <laughs> in this league for a long time. So uh, I'd hope they wouldn't go too far away from him. But, um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. You know, another one that uh, I thought was really impressive that I again, I just really liked is uh, is Josh McDaniels getting another head coaching job, which, you know, the other thing I like is I feel like it, that was not really talked about. You know, a lot of a lot of names floated around, and and I didn't hear McDaniel's very often. So I'm actually really glad. Um, and uh, Ziggler, Dave Ziggler, got the general managing gig as well, and he's a former Patriot too. So another Patriot, or well, not another Patriot, but another uh, another set of guys that are going to either be familiar with each other or probably at least have the same ideology. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. I mean, to me, when you look at the Seahawks, that's one of the most beautiful ones where it just meshed perfectly. I feel like, you know, they constantly have the right guys for what they need to do. Even if they're not playing as well yet, I feel like they normally have the guys Pete wants. And I think that that's always impressive. You know what I mean? That you're finding the right guys for the system that you're trying to implement and run. Um, and I, I also think like, you know, James, when, I don't know, when McDaniels was the coach for the Broncos, you were probably just a little guy. You probably don't even really remember that as much, but he had Jay Cutler and I actually think they were decent until Jay Cutler got traded. Uh, what do you think, you know, McDaniels did pretty good with Mac Jones. What do you think it'll be like uh, with Derek Carr, who's obviously a step up? Uh, I mean, my personal opinion is I believe that Rich Basaccia should have got hired as the big or the Raiders head coach. I mean, I mean after yeah. Gruden leaving the Raiders and then Basaccia taking over and then going from Gruden's to Basaccia, he went and went nine and seven with the Raiders, got them to the playoffs, almost beat the Bengals but lost in the wild card round. Right. So I think that Basaccia should have gotten that head coaching position over Josh McDaniels, but I mean, that's um, fair. That's no, I, don't, I definitely don't think you're wrong. Um, I, I, I don't think you're going to get a lot of argument, but I mean, just for the sake of that, it's already, they've already picked those guys. What, what do you think about those guys though? Or I like, like I said, more specifically McDaniels, getting to go with uh, Derek Carr, who I already think is, you know, an above average quarterback. I don't think, 
I don't think Derek Carr gets the love he should get for as, as good as he normally is. No, I agree. Uh, Derek Carr is one of the un- most underrated quarterbacks uh, in the NFL. And I think that with Josh McDan- McDaniels being the head coach, um, coming from being under Bill Belichick and uh, seeing what he did with Mac Jones, uh, I think that we're going to see a huge step up for the Raiders this upcoming year. Yeah. Well, and I think the, the Patriots always do kind of the same system where they implement the tight ends. And I think the Raiders happen to have one of the best uh, two-headed tight end attack. I mean, uh, Moreau is definitely not Kelsey or anything like that, but he's not a, he's not a bum. And Waller is in that discussion for top five tight end. So when you take a guy who's probably top 20 and match him with a guy who's top five, I mean, that's, that's pretty dang impressive for a, a really uh, strong tight end room. I mean, you think about Brady as being a game manager. I think Derek Carr could do quite a bit of like, you know, the similar things he reads the defense really well, in my opinion. <laughs> and um, excuse me. <laughs> and I think that Gronk, uh, was really impressive for a long time in that offense, and I think that we'll see. I think we'll see a lot of big numbers from the tight ends this year, in my opinion. I think that will also open up the running game for Josh Jacobs as well, since mm-hmm. uh, Josh McDaniels is able to open up that passing game a lot. You'll see defenses starting to play more towards pass coverage, which will then open up the field for. Josh Jacobs, and we'll see an improvement for him this upcoming year as well. Right. I agree. And I also think that uh, McDaniels is probably, you know, being a Belichick protege probably is stubborn enough to actually stick with the run where some guys don't. And so I could definitely see we could be in a situation where um, Jacobs just could get more consistent carries too. Um, So that's definitely not going to hurt us, but um who are we kidding though mcdaniels is going to get down to las vegas stay for a month and be like yeah i'm going back to the patriots yeah <laughs> it feels like it feels like every uh feels like every guy that comes away from the uh the patriots just ends up going back but uh speaking of actually i'm surprised that brian flores doesn't have a job yet um mm-hmm. uh, a lot of whispers about him in minnesota um as a as a bears fan the packers fan i definitely uh i definitely not like to see him I'm not scared of him, obviously, but I think he's actually a good coach. And so I do too. Um, yeah. you know, obviously I'd rather see I'd rather see some, you know, I, I'd rather see Joe Brady or some some crazy name that makes no sense, you know, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury type of of hire. Uh I mean, actually, you know, while we're on that, I've seen Minnesota uh tied to Jim Harbaugh a couple of times recently as well. And that's another guy like Harbaugh. You know, we can make our jokes. Harbaugh's proven he can coach. That's yeah. another guy I don't really want to see. He went um, to the Super Bowl, right? Exactly. And and the way the way he builds teams, he builds them tenacious front four, good, you know, good flowing linebackers, good corners on the edges, uh, and then you basically center everything about that about around that front four pass rush, just like the, which is funny because he was on the 49ers when he was the coach, but just like the 49ers do now. And then on offense, he has that kind of, 
man, that's that's the one that's kind of tough. Like, I almost feel like I don't want to say that he wants a running quarterback, but he wants a semi-mobile quarterback who's more of a game manager, and then he wants a strong, big offensive line that's going to lean on you all game, like maybe one or two above-average receivers, and then one to two above-average running backs that are just going to slowly chip away at you all game. And he just yeah. grinds he just grinds you out. It's it's a it's a great, nasty, old school brand of football. I mean, I love it personally, but but yeah, it's it's not something I want to see in the division. Um, no. especially especially with Rogers aging and stuff like that. I mean, you know, same thing if you're a Bears fan. I'm I'm sure if Harbaugh got hired and he gets Daniel Hunter on one end and then potentially gets to draft a pretty decent pass rusher, like what if what if he on the other side uh, drafted the the other end for the Michigan Wolverines? You know what I mean? Who he just had, who was opposite Aiden Hutchinson, could be opposite Daniel Hunter now. You know what I mean? Just yeah, scary. It, oh, it is. It is. And like I said, I just think he. I actually think he's a better NFL coach than college. That's that's what's really scary. So yeah. Um, but uh, do you want to finish us out with the uh, the Giants? Yes, so they hired Dable from the Bills, which I was actually hoping the Bears would get. But I mean, you know, they got who we got, so and I'm happy with it. But I, I'm curious to see how Dable's going to do with the quarterback situation, or you know, is he going to stick with Jones, or is he going to move on and you know get somebody else? And they did bring in a new general manager, so we'll we'll find out. The one another team I'm actually I enjoyed their head coach hire was the Jaguars and hiring Byron Leftwich, who drafted him with the seventh pick, first round in the 2003 draft. I've always liked Leftwich. I've you know constantly seen the videos of his you know offensive lineman carrying him downfield because he had such bad knees. So I've always liked Left been a Leftwich fan kind of. Yeah, definitely gritty. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to see how that goes. Actually. You know, if, if uh, you know, I, I want to get back to the Giants, but real quick, I would be really interested to see what happens if Leftwich leaves and then, um, you know, say that their D.C. got the, like, Vikings job or something, for example. I mean, we're not even talking about that really, but, but say he did get, like, the Minnesota job or something. What would Bruce Arians do? He'd have to refill his O.C. and his D.C., and on top of that, potentially have to replace Tom Brady. That'd be crazy. I mean, talk about mm-hmm. a team that had two dominant years to potentially go back to just complete obscurity. Um, just interesting. Um, and side note, uh, I was really shocked. And I, I just think, to me, it means that there was not a team that he liked because he definitely had his pick. But I was shocked that Dan Quinn said he was going to stay uh, as the DC for the Cowboys. I actually kind of believe that maybe in his heart of hearts, he believes that uh, McCarthy might get fired and he might get promoted to head coach. That's that's all I'm reading that a lot, actually. That's kind of the way that I hear it. And I know that that's kind of like a dirty little secret, but um, I could see it happening. And I think he would, I think he'd be great there personally. I don't think Mike's a bad coach. I just, I don't know. I just think, I think Aaron, uh, masked a lot of the errors that he makes. And I think, he, like I said, I think he's a good coach. Obviously, he just had a winning 
uh, year and stuff with this team and would have had a winning year last year had Dak Prescott not been hurt. But I think some of the little details he misses and needs needs people to be there to help him pick it up. Um, but going back to the Giants, uh, just real quick here. Um, the thing I like the most is when Sean McDermott was hired with the Bills, he was uh, paired with a guy that he wanted, and they obviously got the team they wanted with the Bills, have been very successful. Um, got Josh Allen, all those guys, again, been very successful. So Brian Dable getting Joe, uh, those guys, again, connected at the hip already, know each other, know what they want, know what they want to build. I think that's a great move taking both those guys into a different part of New York, and I I look forward to see what they will do. I actually – I think the NFC East has been really rough the last couple of years, but I think the Eagles have a good situation going on. I think the Cowboys have the most talented roster in that division, and I think the Giants have probably the most hope. Really, the Washington football team is an absolute just, you know, one big question mark. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm not really sure where that will go, but uh, all those other moves I think are pretty positive. And um, I think that I'll be interested to see how – it all ends, you know, or what, what else kind of takes place after their, uh, after the Super Bowl and stuff. Cause obviously there's still the Texans job. And then you got to watch how everybody, uh, you know, puts together their rosters or, or not their rosters, but puts uh, uh, together their coaching staffs. So uh, I'm interested in all that stuff. Hopefully we'll get to cover it. All right, everyone. That's our show for the day. Thank you for joining james thank you for joining and i promise you we will have more content than just football uh, we're working on it so be patient with us but uh be sure to like us on spotify also look for us on itunes and uh everybody have a great day